This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive! Swing, there's a shot! High drive! Out of here! This laser beam of a home run for Brandon Crawford. First home run of the year for the Giants, and it's Joey Bart. Is. Challenger strikes out swinging. Playing the miss, he struck him out. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Inside Giant Moments. Yastrzemski, gone! And late night Lamont strikes again. Belt was all over it. The captain. Great call, Parker. With Adam Copeland. Welcome back into the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland, back with another week talking Giants baseball and some great stuff that's going on at the ballpark this homestand. The Giants just returned home from a long road trip. They went 5-5 five and five on the roadie. They returned home on Tuesday night to take a loss, 5-3 to three at the hands of the Colorado Rockies, and it resulted in Joey Bart being sent down to the minors. The Giants actually also completed a trade on Wednesday morning uh, following the demotion of Joey Bart to AAA Sacramento. They've acquired from the Philadelphia Phillies a catcher, Austin Wins. He's going to join the Giants organization and is expected to be on the roster this week. Uh, so pairing that with, with what Joey Bart has done struggling offensively at the plate so far this season, just two for his last 25 with 15 strikeouts. I think the belief is you get him down to the minor leagues, you get him playing every day, you get him some more consistent at-bats. And the Giants do still believe that he's an everyday catcher. Farhan Zaidi did say as much following the Giants' loss to the Rockies on Tuesday night. So Joey Bart down to the minors. Austin Wins is your newest San Francisco Giants catcher. He likely will slot in there behind Kirk Casale, who's done a really nice job. But when you've got a young catcher like this and he's not getting the work, you sort of harken back or think back to the days of Matt Williams, who would come up and down and, and struggled to hit the curveball early in his career, eventually came back up and stuck at the big league level to the tune of a like a borderline Hall of Fame career. Matt Williams, a hell of a giant and a hell of a player, finally got his World Series ring, of course, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the hope is for Joey Bart to get back, get some confidence. And don't forget, when he was in the minor leagues the first time around, he was viewed as an offensive catcher. When he came up in 2020 for that brief stint in the 60-game truncated season, they were looking to get him better defensive uh, attributes or, or try to build his defense a little bit. I think the Giants are very happy with what they've seen from Joey Bart behind the plate defensively. However, uh, what he's done offensively has been a bit of a struggle in this lineup. So you're not looking for him to be Buster Posey, but he does have to put together some better offense than we've seen to this point in the season. So I would assume we will see Joey Bart back at the big league level sooner rather than later. The hope is that he can figure it out a bit offensively, come back and help this lineup, this Giants lineup that is still sitting in third place in the National League wild card picture but we've got to get to the really exciting stuff that's going on this week with the Giants and the Dodgers always exciting when the Dodgers come to town always fun to hate the Dodgers but this week there's going to be reason to be excited about the Giants and the Dodger rivalry we're going to talk to Roscoe Maps, who's an executive vice president of the San Francisco Giants uh, and help put together this pride week this joint pride celebration pride weekend here for the Giants coming up on Saturday with the Dodgers Eric Braverman another executive VP from the Dodgers side of things they're going to both be on the field together before the game they're going to do the first ever 
hat swap of pride hats. The Giants and the Dodgers are going to be wearing pride colors this weekend, a true celebration of what pride means here to us in the Bay Area and what it should mean to everybody across baseball. It's, a, it's an inspiring story because you look across sports and you look at some of the platforms that athletes have and the teams have. The Giants and the Dodgers share a rivalry that is unique in all of the sports world. I mean, these are rivalries that go back 130 or so years to their time in New York, right? Then they're the first two teams that move from New York out to San Francisco to bring baseball to the West Coast. The Dodgers, of course, have their own rich history in breaking the color barrier with Jackie Robinson in 1947. But when you have a rivalry like this, you end up with nationally televised games. You get a lot of eyeballs on this stuff. The Giants and the Dodgers have decided jointly to celebrate Pride Month and Pride Weekend at Oracle Park on Saturday night. And in doing so, they've used uh, their platform, which is one of the biggest in all sports, as we just mentioned. Something to think about. They've done this before. You think back to the terrible incident with Brian Stowe on opening day at Dodger Stadium years ago. And following that incident where where he was uh, brutally beaten, the Giants and the Dodgers took the field together. Both got behind a microphone. I believe it was uh, Jeremy Affelt of the Giants and, uh, and Jamie Carroll of the Dodgers, who both spoke out before a game and said, look, this is a rivalry, but the rivalry happens between the lines. It's fun to poke at each other. It's fun to get on each other. It's fun to talk about that stuff when it comes to the game of baseball. But there are so many things that are bigger than the game of baseball. And as a Giants fan, I take great pride in the fact that the Giants and the Dodgers have come together to shed some light, to continue these conversations around baseball, and to treat uh, people celebrating pride as though they are the same as all of us. Everybody belongs in this game. Everybody belongs uh, in a place where they feel comfortable and they feel happy. So Roscoe Maps and Eric Braverman, a couple of great conversations conversations we had with them about the fantastic event going on this weekend and also this isn't the first time the Giants have been at the forefront or spearheaded an event like this you go back to 1994 the Giants hosted the first ever until there's a cure game asking players to wear red ribbons in support of AIDS awareness and at the time it was seen as extremely controversial I think we've moved past things being extremely controversial in that regard however there are still parts of the country and there are still some people who don't believe players should be wearing these hats and these colors on the field during a baseball game I, for one, believe this is a great way to call attention to conversations that we need to continue having, especially following what happened with George Floyd in 2020, where there was clearly a cultural shift. Gives me great pride in the Giants and even in the Dodgers that this is something we're doing this weekend. So it's a great segue into our conversation with Executive Vice President of the Giants, Roscoe Maps. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Roscoe Maps. He serves as the Vice President of External Affairs for the San Francisco Giants, but that's not the only hat he wears. We're going to get into all that and what Pride Weekend has to offer at Oracle Park this weekend. Roscoe, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Adam, it's 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 exciting to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. And it's an exciting topic. You uh, you have the distinction of being the first Giants executive we have on the podcast this season. So you get to wear that hat as well. So tell us about your role with the Giants. You also serve as the co-chair on the Giants Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Council. You're the yeah. co-chair of the Black Employees Resource Group. And that's not all. Uh, you serve uh, as the co-chair of the Giants Pride ERG. Uh, t- tell us about all those roles. Tell us about how you came to these roles in the Giants. Organization. <laughs> yeah, so I wear many hats, like many of us, I wear many hats in the organization. Uh, my primary roles are government affairs, community relations, uh, and I work on our Mission Rock project, which is our mixed-use development project being developed just south of Oracle Park. It'll come online in the near future. Very exciting, exciting project. This is my seventh season with the Giants, and yeah, what you said, I co-chair the DNI Council. It's been an honor to co-chair the council. I co-chair Black Excellence, which is our Black Employee Resource Group, and I'm the executive sponsor for Giants Proud, which is our LGBTQ plus uh, employee resource group. 
Is this something you've always had a passion for? I mean, I mean, diversity is obviously something that, that's at the forefront of our conversations, I think, in our lives, certainly since 2020, uh, when there was sort of a cultural shift or focus yeah. on that stuff. But uh, but how did you fall? How did you come into these roles? And uh, and I imagine there's a sense of pride in these roles for you as well. Yeah, there is. I mean, you I mean, growing up as a person of color, um, you you know, you you, you kind of have to go through the world in a, <laughs> in a different way. And so it becomes a part of your everyday in your life. And so when opportunities come up to have tough conversations, to move, um, to, to move the ball, sort of to use a mixed sort of mixed sports metaphor to move the ball a little bit uh, on these conversations, it becomes exciting. And you want to take the experience that you had both professionally and your life experience and sort of apply it to the situation you have. So it's it's been a thrill, an honor, a challenge, um, some very hard conversations, very thoughtful and meaningful, but in all in all, build some just incredibly deep uh, relationships across the organization. That's great, man. It's, it's, it's rewarding when you come out of those tough conversations and you continue to snowball them and move forward into other conversations and then yeah. into action, things that we need to need to focus on uh, in today's world and certainly in sports today. So as part of your duties as the co-chair of the Giants Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Council, can you tell me about the goals and the focus of the council and what the impact has been on the organization? Yeah, I appreciate that question, Adam. Thank you. So, you know, the Giants DNI Council, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Council is made up of 20 members at various levels of the organization across the entire organization. And we wanted to make sure that every department is sort of represented in this collective. The goal, there's many goals of the council, right? Um, because it's such a big thing, DEI. But the goal of the council is really to help the organization direct and position itself the best way possible to sort of meaningfully pursue diversity, equity, inclusion. We believe as an organization that it makes us a more competitive organization. It makes us a more welcoming place to work and a more dynamic place to work. And so it is a win-win situation when we invest our time and resources into DEI. So the council does this by simply creating you know, a space amongst itself where we unlock the ingenuity and experience of each of the council members. And from there, we've seen a number of different DEI initiatives take off throughout the organization. One of those has been uh, a deliberate and intentional effort to put more resources and time into expanding our employee resource groups, which has grown to up to six very incredibly active groups that not only support each other in the professional world, but also bring their experience through various rooms throughout the organization and, of course, continue that work uh, as we're known to do at the Giants in the community. Uh, we've seen our communications become more effective across the organization and become more meaningful. As I said before, we've seen an increase in representation in key decision-making rooms. We have had more robust talent acquisition process that has brought in more representation within the organization. And we are seeing that unlocked talent you know, come to fruition and benefit the organization across uh, all departments. So um, this work, you know, really reinforces strong diversity partnerships in our community as well. Uh, and so we're seeing wins across the board just with this initiative and, and the efforts of the, the council and really, frankly, all of our colleagues. You hear so much about these councils like across, you know, businesses or, or sports or, or whatever the, the you know, uh, the, the umbrella is that these things fall under. But oftentimes you hear about the council and there's no action. It sounds to me like there's actual tangible action and, and success from this council, things that have grown within the organization. There has been. And I think we're kind of our hardest critics on ourselves on that because yeah. there's so much more that we want to do and we want to do it quicker, but we also want to do it right. Um, and so, you know, everybody is focused on this. It's really exciting time 
to be a part of the organization because of this work. And, um, you know, look forward to continuing to, to, to tell our story and, and see how our DEI work is coming to fruition. As a, as a man of color myself, it's, a, it's an encouraging thing to hear for sure. And part of that action is, is something that's going on this week. It's Pride Month and it's Pride Weekend uh, for the Giants and for a handful of other teams around baseball. There's so many days around baseball that we celebrate these different groups and call attention mm -hmm. to social issues. Can you tell me about the Pride celebration this weekend and how it became a focus for the Giants organization? Sure. And, you know, honestly, this has been this is one of our most exciting weeks many of our culture, all of our culture nights are really exciting around here. There's a lot of energy around pride and a lot of attention around pride. And, you know, the Giants have been part of this conversation for 30 years. We've been partnering with the LGBT community for decades. In 1994, the Giants became the first ever professional team to host an HIV and AIDS awareness game uh, during a time when infection rates and stigma continued to devastate the community. And this season will mark the 29th uh, Until There's a Cure Day in partnership with Until There's a Cure Foundation. We were the first team, the Giants were the first team to join the It Gets Better campaign, which as you know, focused on um, protecting and supporting LGBTQ plus youth in an effort to combat all forms of bullying. Uh, in 2015, the Giants signed on into an amicus brief in support of marriage equality because it spoke directly to the organization's core values of equality and social justice for all. Um, and last year, of course, as you know, we elected to incorporate the pride colors into our uniform, focusing the color on our logo rather than individual names or a number, um, because the intent was to show the Giants as a team continues to support inclusivity uh, with the LGBT community. And, you know, the fact that we can draw the line back to 1994, I'm 33 years old. I've been going to Giants games for as long as I can remember. I don't remember a year or a, a season where we didn't have an until there's a cure day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's become part of the fabric of just being a Giants fan. It's one of the events you go to every year. And I think that can be the hope for, for Pride Week and, and for Pride Weekend with the Giants. What's your hope for the growth of Pride Week in baseball? Yeah. So, I mean, unequivocally, we've seen the growth of inclusion of LGBTQ community in baseball. That's there's definitely no doubt about that. But the conversations still need to be had. The conversations are sort of still evolving. Relationships need to continue to grow and be built and be nurtured, as you know. And so um, when you think about, you know, the first until there's a cure day, until there's a cure day with our partners, you know, the intent was to raise awareness about HIV and AIDS and raise money and support education and research and treatment. But back then, there were, there were players who were hesitant to wear a red ribbon. And that's so crazy to think about nowadays, right? That someone wouldn't support ending HIV and AIDS, right? And you might be hard pressed to try to find someone who feels that same way 30 years later, right? Um, that's because, or who wouldn't wear a red ribbon today, right? And that's because conversations were had, relationships were built, uh, folks simply became more informed and um, the needle was moved. I haven't met a person today that would be hesitant to wear a red ribbon. Um, you know, we have moved the needle around HIV and AIDS. It is no longer a death sentence. It is chronic. It is manageable. We're on the verge of a cure. Stigma around it has lessened to a degree. We still have a lot of work and conversations to do around it, but it's changed quite a bit. Like you said, you don't remember a day when we weren't talking about it. And so this positive change happens because uh, people become more educated, more knowledgeable, more connected to people who are different from them and live their lives different from them. And ultimately, that makes them less fearful, which makes them a little bit more open-minded to understanding, having more conversations, and the ability to, rate, to relate to other human beings. 
It's really well said. And, and, and what's unique about baseball is it's, you know, it's 140 years old. It's the fabric of this country. And, and it's, a, it's a league and a, a sport that has dealt with a lack of inclusion for 140 years. How, how do we continue to move forward towards the common goal of inequality in a sport that has struggled with that for so long? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's increasingly, I mean, continuing to do the type of the programs and initiatives in partnership with the community that we are doing. You know, the hope is that increasingly the LGBTQ plus community believes without a single doubt that they can bring their families to a ball game in any city, cheer on their favorite team, be inspired by the talent on the field, make lifelong memories without any fear of being at the game, right, and just to enjoy themselves. I think the hope is that athletes at any level who happen to be LGBTQ uh, can pursue their passion to compete at base, in baseball at the highest levels, being who they are as an out person. And why? Because diversity and inclusion just simply makes baseball better. Um, I think the hope is that partnership with queer community and allies and MLB and other teams, we continue expanding the conversation beyond our comfort zones and that we recognize that there are human lives beyond the casual talking points that we kind of throw around. Um, the conversation is becoming more meaningful and real, and we need to make those based upon real experiences, recognizing that, you know, as I said before, baseball is better with diversity, and that diversity includes the LGBTQ plus community. No denying that. I mean, I've got it's, it's extremely well said. And our producer, Kelsey, who's listening in, I think Roscoe just gave us our title for the episode. Diversity and inclusion make baseball better. I, I just know no doubt in my mind that that's the truth. All right. Dodgers come to town this weekend. We all love to hate the Dodgers when it comes to on field <laughs> stuff, when it comes to the standings, when it comes to winning ball games. But I think when it comes to working together to bring awareness to certain topics like this, there are very few rivalries or platforms in sports where they, it can get this kind of attention. The Giants and the Dodgers go back years and years and years to New York. So how did the idea of working together with the Dodgers on Pride Weekend happen and what kind of joint celebration can we expect this week? Yeah, you know, the interesting thing that we learned is that, you know, both teams have been having this conversation for a number of years. And when we announced that we were going to wear pride colors on our uniforms, our caps and, and on our logo, um, the first team to reach out to us was the Dodgers. Uh, and it was Eric Braverman. And he reached out to us and he congratulated us. Uh, and he engaged with us on the effort to bring pride in the field. And it was something that, you know, he just expressed pride for. And that was incredibly meaningful coming from our rival organization, right? Um, we had learned that it's something that they had been working on as well for a number of years. And so this year when we had learned that this was something that they were looking to uh, do was to add colors to their caps as well, like we had, did last, like we had done last year, uh, we reached out to them and we said, well, guess what? Our pride night just so happens to be on June 11th where we play each other. Would you be interested in doing it again? And of course, there are West Coast rivals. Uh, they recognize and we recognize how incredibly meaningful it would be to see the two rivals unite on something so important. And uh, they signed on. And so uh, we're really excited for the day. Pride always comes with a lot of exciting pregame activities, pregame ceremonies with a lot of partners, uh, special flag raising, special first pitch. Um, this year will be the first time uh, ceremonial cap exchange or swap will happen between the Giants and Dodgers with pride colors. And I think, again, that's an important moment of solidarity, respect, and humanity between the teams that we just really need to see more of, you know, throughout professional sports, to be frank. And so 
Um, we will be selling caps, of course, but the proceeds for the caps will go to LGBTQ partners who are actually on the front lines of, of the conversation and have been for many, many years. It's fantastic. And then uh, also uh, the, the hats the players are going to wear, they're going to auction those off after the game with proceeds going to LGBTQ plus communities and, and charities as well. So will you be involved in the, uh, the hat swap this weekend? I will be. It'll be myself and Eric uh, Braverman at the Dodgers. So we're looking forward to it. We've got our outfits coordinated and everything. We're ready to go. You said a lot of great stuff, Roscoe. Bigger than baseball. Uh, baseball's better with diversity and inclusion, man. Uh, we're really lucky to have you within the organization and, and to be a champion for this stuff. And I think we're all really excited about uh, the events this weekend. Thanks so much for spending time talking to us today. And thanks so much for all the work you've been doing. Adam, it is totally my pleasure. Thank you so much. Boy, it's so great to look kind of behind the curtain at what happens within the organization, right? I mean, sports fans pay so much attention to what happens on the field, and, and we know the athletes and we know the players because those are the stars of said organizations, right? But the fact that this stuff is happening company-wide behind the scenes with these uh, organizations where they've got these councils, they've got these systems put in place, and they're now taking action, translating, as we've talked about, not just checking a box here, but translating what they're talking about in these diverse council meetings to what can happen on the field, how we can make these immediate changes – It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Uh, not just with what we see across baseball, but with what we see within these organizations. And I said this earlier, but with what happened with George Floyd in 2020, people started to take notice of the inequalities in our society. People were more willing to talk about these subjects like race and equality and gender and LGBTQT plus representation. And that's what this weekend is all about. So it gives me great joy to bring in our next guest, Eric Braverman, who's a vice president for the L.A. Dodgers. He's going to be a part of this celebration this weekend. And we'll welcome him to the Giants podcast. I know when it comes to Dodgers, we get a little iffy, but this is certainly something that is bigger than baseball. So it's an honor to welcome Eric Braverman to the podcast. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Eric Braverman. He is the senior vice president of marketing communication and broadcasting for the Dodgers. Eric, you were the first ever Dodger executive we've had on the podcast, but it's for good reason, man. How are you? Thanks for making time. today. Happy to break that barrier, Adam. Thanks. It's good to be <laughs> good to be on. Good to have you, man. So last year, it's an exciting weekend, Pride Week in baseball, uh, Pride Month around the country, of course. Uh, but for the Giants and the Dodgers, this is going to be a special one. Last year, the Giants became the first team in baseball to wear Pride colors on their hats during a game, which was really, really cool uh, to be a fan of it organization that was the first to do that what was your reaction to that and how from the dodger side of things did it become a joint call to action between the two teams yeah i think it, uh, both really good questions it was you know to be perfectly honest i i had a couple of emotions when when i saw it uh f- the first emotion was incredibly proud just uh as a as a member of the lgbtq community myself uh, as someone who's worked for the Dodgers and in Major League Baseball um, and around sports, by the way, for the better part of you know 25 years now, um, it was a really moving moment for me to see it, to, to see that the Giants did it on um, a nationally telecast game as well to give it even more visibility. Um, that was my first just raw emotion. And the second uh, part, it, being perfectly honest, um, was a little bit of envy. Um, uh, working so hard with the Dodgers, um, you know, internal ERG and initiatives going forward and knowing the steps that we've taken over the last decade to make our pride night 
um, and our uh, celebration of, of the community, um, you know, bigger than ever before. It was something that we had been working on behind the scenes to, to make happen um, and had not pulled the trigger on it yet. We had not uh, gotten all of our ducks in a row and hadn't put everything in place. Uh, and to know that it was spearheaded by Gabe Kapler, who also used to work for the Dodgers and Farhan, who also, you know, was here um, for a, a good number of years. Uh, I was able to send texts to a number of people and just congratulate the organization on being bold, um, on on being the first to do it. And, you know, there are a lot of things that that you learn when you work in the game. Uh, and I work on the marketing side, as you mentioned, communications. Um, if something is a good idea, I don't care who does it first. Um, it's something that we wanted to replicate. So that very week I filed um, with Major League Baseball because people don't understand that behind the scenes, it isn't just you make a decision and do it. You need to actually file with Major League Baseball. You need to get the cap company on board to make the caps to make sure that you can get enough of them in, in, in time. And that very week I filed with Major League Baseball and we decided internally um, that in 2022, we were going to move forward and do the same thing. Love to hear that, man. Uh, t- take an action on it. And I love that baseball uh, was was uh, accepting of this and approving of this. I mean, for for an industry and for a sport that has struggled with this kind of inclusion for a long time, I think that's a that's an encouraging step. I, I want to go back to what you said about Gabe Kapler, because I think he's when he came to San Francisco, obviously people start thinking about the baseball element of things. But when it comes to being a leader and a manager and a coach, I would challenge that he's different than maybe any manager or coach across sports, maybe globally, just with how he has the ability to engage people on a different level while fostering that culture culture of diversity. What can you say about that and, and your time getting to know Gabe? Yeah, I, I, I completely, I would echo that. I think that, you know, what, what Gabe brings to a clubhouse and to an organization is, is more than the X's and O's and, and the, you know, the interpretation and dissecting of analytics. Um, you know, nowadays between computers and, and, uh, you know, a lot of these, uh, as they call them, the baseball nerds that work for every organization now, um, that, that everybody can do that. Um, the intangible part of what somebody brings in a leadership role is the culture that they can um, create and foster and, and create an environment of acceptance and inclusion and understand that, you know, uh, not, not even just on, on this, on the LGBTQ issue, but on so many societal issues and things that are happening in our day-to-day lives. What Gabe has been able to do and what Dave, Dave Roberts, uh, Doc here at the Dodgers have been able to do is uh, step up. I mean, these guys are young enough that the players relate to them. Um, and you know they understand there's a diversity of opinion in the clubhouse and in the locker room. But what, what they're able to do is get everybody on board and understanding that there are certain things in the world that are bigger than their individual play, their individual stats, an individual game, and frankly, an individual rivalry um, that, you know, when you're going to leave your mark on a game. And look, the Giants were uh, a, a, a largely successful team for the better part of a century, well before any of us were around. And same, same with the Dodgers. And we'll continue to be long after we're gone. Um, we're just stewards of the ship for the moment. And I think Gabe understands that and uh, is able to, um, uh, to lead in a way that no other people, you know, no other people in our game have done before.
it's it's really well said because you go to like you know you think about uh, uh jackie robinson and one of the first barriers that was broken in baseball his epitaph uh, you know his tombstone reads a life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives and that's you know really it's that's that's playing into exactly what you're saying about gabe kapper recognizing what it means to be the steward of this ship so we've seen the giants and the dodgers work together in the past on things that are bigger than baseball you think about things around the game that uh, that they've joined together and use their platform to sort of uh, to sort of push a movement or, or to tell a story what's the significance of two rival teams working together to bring awareness on one of the biggest stages in sports? I think it's, I think it's huge. I think it is. Um, I think it's, it says it speaks volumes because it, you know, it, it's one thing when the giants are doing it against the Cubs or when the Dodgers did it last week um, against the Mets um, and, and you had one team participating. I think the fact that you have both teams participating, the fact that it's one of the most storied rivalries in all of professional sports globally, um, and you know, dating back to the New York um, his, his, history, uh, the fact that you have both teams step, stepping up and saying, you know what, when we're between the lines and when the first pitch is thrown, we're, we're, we're going for it. We're, we're, you know, we're last year's uh, uh, epic season with the teams going back and forth, uh, it, you know, from a baseball perspective, there's nothing better than something like that. But when you have an, uh, a, an issue or uh, something that pulls everyone together and it isn't just following a disaster because that, you, you know, what tends to happen is uh, unfortunately, um, you know, a 9-11 event occurs or some tragedy occurs in, in a community. And that's what that's when rivalries tend to put down arms and, and come together. This is not that. This is two organizations understanding and recognizing an important initiative. And I think you said it right, Adam, in the beginning. It's about inclusion, sending a message about acceptance and where we've come and how far this sport and these two organizations have come. I think that message, it, 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 and what I tell people and what I've said here at Dodger Stadium is, it isn't just to the LGBTQ fans because that's preaching to the choir. Those fans are under the tent. They understand and recognize what the two organizations have done. But what it, what it is, is it's to everyone else who's watching and who either don't relate, you know, don't, don't really have a, a, a stake in this, to see and witness this the way we're going to make change is to is to to take action and you take action and it's all of the fans who are in attendance and there will be thousands who will be in attendance and millions perhaps watching globally who will watch this and say all right this is pretty cool and and it's okay by the way for people who say um, why are they doing this? Why, why, do, why does uh, the LGBT community have to have a moment? Why are the teams doing this? And I'm happy to talk about marginalized communities that for you know, centuries or for decades in, in, in our uh, world have, have not had this, this type of recognition. Let's have that conversation. Um, I think that's part of what makes this so important. Yeah, you're right. It's about a conversation. It's about it's about people who don't understand uh, trying to help them to understand uh, about marginalized uh, groups of people. It's it's really well said by you. And you bring up a great point about, you know, when when disasters happen or tragedies happen and, and you know, rivals lay down their arms, as you said, and they work together on something. There was a cultural shift in 2020 with the murder of George Floyd. Did that role or did that that situation, you think, play a role in allowing these conversations to flourish and to make these types of events possible to where we didn't need an immediate tragedy to have a celebration? like this? I think so. I think so. I think we were moving in that direction, frankly, 
already. I think that particularly with with uh, organizations like the Giants and and with the leadership of, of Larry Bear and, and the entire executive team from the Giants on down, uh, the Dodgers, the same exact thing. I think that that these two organizations are um, incredible leaders when it comes to uh, uh, being ahead of the curve on all of that. But I do think that the George Floyd situation um, and, and other stories that have occurred um, in, in our society have, have made the path a little bit easier and, the, and the, uh, the ability to have the conversation and to uh, take action. And, and you know, action, I know it's trite to say, but everyone says, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. What the Dodgers and the Giants are doing is taking action, not just putting out a press release, not just doing a pride night that, you know, I know 29 teams are doing this year, but 27 of the teams that are doing them are doing them just as a, as a ticket pack night. And they're ticking a box saying, okay, we've, we've done an LGBT pride night. It isn't, it isn't what the Giants are doing and it isn't what the Dodgers uh, are doing either. And, and I think that's a really important uh, yeah, distinction. I've got, I've got a sense of pride in that too. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great uh, line of thinking and that this isn't, uh, this isn't just to say, hey, look what we did and, and to throw a pride flag on something, but to say we're taking action. So there's going to be a cap swap uh, before the game on Saturday. You're going to be involved in that. You and Roscoe, who we had on the podcast yeah. a little bit earlier. Uh, th- tell me about that from your side of things. Is this exciting? Is it, is it nerve wracking? Is, uh, is it a huge honor? Just tell me about your thought on being part of the, the cap. I think, it's, I think it's, I think it's all of those. I think it's all of those things. You know, it's uh, uh, Roscoe does amazing work and I admire, um, you know, what he does up in in San Francisco. I I play that role, um, you know, for the Dodgers and doing what, uh, you know, leading our our internal ERG and and the initiatives here. So, uh, yes, as a lifelong baseball player, I played college ball and had the had the dream of, of, of making it to the big leagues and not doing it to be able to walk on the, on what I consider one of the most beautiful fields in, in all of baseball uh, at Oracle Park and to do the cap swap uh, with Roscoe is going to be my moment. Um, and, and, you know, understanding it's a, it's a Dodger representative walking out on the field on, on, uh, on pride night, I may get a few boos here or there, but I think there's a bigger message uh, that we're sending and uh, I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. I promise you, Eric, I won't be booing on Saturday. Certainly not to you. So, well, maybe when the lineups are announced, not, not for you, though. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll reserve that for when that, when Dave Robert puts his lineup out. Yeah, I'm okay uh, with that. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's, that's where it's all fair and game between the lines. Um, I, I wanted to ask you because I, I do my research before we do these podcasts and uh, I read a beautiful piece about you in the New York times about your journey, meeting your husband and your eventual wedding on the field at Dodger stadium also tells a really great story about how your boss, Lon Rosen encouraged you to come out to your colleagues. And I got a little bit emotional reading about it. It's, it's really a beautiful story, man. Not not just because you found your partner in life, but because you had support within the organization that you've been a part of for nearly 15 years now. Does it feel to you like that support and diversity is more prevalent in sports today relative to where it was either prior to 2020 or when you got this job with the Dodgers 15 years ago? It does. I think um, it, it, it absolutely feels to me like like we have made progress. And then, you know, everything you talked about, I, I appreciate the sentiment and the comments. Um, it was, I would have never imagined, I worked for ESPN prior to the Dodgers for almost 15 years, um, where I also had to, you know, where I, I largely lived in my professional life in the, in the closet. Uh, Lon has been um, an inspiration for me. Um, his connection uh, and, and he worked in the NBA and with Magic Johnson for many years. And 
him, him encouraging me to tell my story, uh, not for just for me, but for the people that it might be able to impact and affect. And I've heard from people around the globe who have been inspired uh, by the story. And I have to share, you know, since I'm, I'm, I'm on a San Francisco podcast, one of the people who I spoke to for the better part of an hour, who has been a big supporter and really gave me the final push uh, to do this was Rick Welts. Wow. Um, I had a conversation with Rick Welts at length um, about the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of doing this. And Rick, um, who, by the way, just sent me an email because um, he knows what we're doing on Saturday, wishing me luck and telling me that he's following. Um, Rick gave me a, a terrific uh, a piece of advice about uh, it not being about me, it being about things that are larger than that. And, and, I, and I, I took that um, with me and, and it's, it continues to move me. But yeah, it's, it's, I, I think we've moved. Have we moved as far as I think uh, I would have liked? Not, not, not necessarily. But you know what? Progress is slow. Um, Billie Jean King is one of our owners. You know, she was, she was pivotal about, you know, in, in the Title IX movement. But you're talking about decades now, you know, five decades ago. So progress is slow, but it, it starts with, it starts with individuals and it starts with a lot of hard work. And what I'm really proud of with the Dodgers and with the Giants is that they both have the individuals and they both are putting in the hard work to make change happen. Well, I, lo- I love the, uh, that's community, man. The, uh, the Rick Welts uh, uh, reaching out and giving you the push. I've had a, I've had a couple of conversations with Rick over the years at hall of fame now in the NBA uh, as a former president of the Warriors. Well-deserved. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great story, man. And, uh, and great, great point about Billy Jean King too. I mean, that was a, a pinnacle moment in the history of sports and in society and, and how it's absolutely applied uh, today, but it is, it is progress. We're still fighting. So when you talk about progress, what's your hope for the future of pride week around the game of baseball, around the entirety of the sport? I think my hope is that every organization, be it in baseball or in other sports, sees what we're doing and perhaps uses it as a template to to work and make their own community better. Um, and not necessarily to replicate it or to, to follow any specific playbook, because there are so many ingredients that go into making it successful. We'd be lying if we said that the fact that we're in San Francisco and Los Angeles uh, doesn't make it easier. We're, we're living in two progressive communities in California. And of course, that makes things more accepting and, and uh, easier to pull off. But if, if people can see the story and people can witness what we're happening and they can work hard to make change and to, and to uh, move their organization forward, in whatever small steps that that is, I know that Roscoe and I know that I are willing to help anybody um, in in putting together what that playbook is, if there is one, and and to do that. And you know what? There are going to be ownership groups and there are going to be cities and communities that are going to be against it. But one of the things that we've said here at Dodger Stadium is it, when the Dodgers 75 years ago this year, if the Dodgers hadn't been bold enough to sign Jackie Robinson and they had been fearful of what the community had outcry was going to be and all the you know the the naysayers and the haters were what they were going to communicate Jackie would have never been signed um at some point people are going to realize that LGBT people are just like anybody else and if and if they can help the team win um and if they can help the organization grow what I'm hoping to see is progress and uh and be a be a part of that 
Eric, I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. Uh, I want to thank you for being a champion for diversity and inclusion. Uh, Roscoe and I talked about it that, uh, you know, anybody who's grown up in a corner of the world where they feel like they don't fit in or they're, they're not uh, accepted the same as everybody else, I think can relate to some of this. And I think that's the story we're trying to tell this weekend. So looking forward to seeing you at the ballpark on Saturday. Everybody withhold the booze until they announce the lineups. But uh, Eric, great having you, man. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We'll see you this weekend. Well, what a great conversation with Eric. Uh, it's so fun to be able to put this stuff on display and to take this opportunity on our platform here on the Inside Giant Moments podcast to celebrate Pride Week in the, in the way that the Giants and the Dodgers are going to this week. And these are conversations that have to continue to be had. We talked about the race stuff. We've talked about uh, two teams coming together that are bitter rivals on the field. But when it comes to things that are bigger than baseball, and you heard uh, Roscoe say it, you heard Eric say it, baseball is just better with diversity and inclusion. I, I also want to take this time to thank Gavin Warner from the San Francisco Giants. Giants, who was fantastic, informative, instrumental in us getting this podcast done today. He was a big part of how they're going to roll out this Pride Weekend and Pride Week for the Giants. And you can take your opportunity to help the LGBTQ plus community as well. As you heard uh, from Roscoe, many of the hats that are going to be on sale or uh, the hats that will be on sale, the Pride hats at the Giants dugout store and online, the proceeds of those will go towards uh, charities that will help the LGBTQ community and also the auction of many of the uh, the hats of the players will be wearing on the field going to go to some of those same charities. So so thanks so much to Roscoe Maps. Thanks so much to Eric Braverman. And thank you again to Gavin Werner, who did such a great job in helping us get this together and to, to continue a conversation that is very important to me and it should be very important to all of us, this type of equality and inclusion across the game of baseball and trickling into our communities and into our society. So thanks again to all three of those gentlemen for being a part of the podcast. Thanks to Kelsey, our producer. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I've been your host, Adam Copeland. We'll talk to you next week. Swing and a drive! Home run for Brandon Crawford. This. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Is. Yastrzemski. Gone! And late night Lamont strikes again. again. Belt was all over it. The captain. Inside Giant Moments. It's headed for the bay. The third of the night for Jock Peterson. With Adam Copeland. Well, strikeouts and they're on their feet here at Oracle Park for Carlos Rodon. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.